You're listening to Thriving Church Leadership, a church board development podcast. A dialogue to encourage church leaders to rise to the noble task of church leadership. Through a series of conversations with godly, experienced, and insightful individuals, we've dived deep into this very unique space of leadership, specifically formal church leadership, such as pastors, elders, deacons, trustees, and board leadership as a whole within the church. I'm Brett Elder, and your host for today's episode, and I have with me Brian Walker, president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Brian, of course, is a regular on this podcast and often hosts this podcast, but this time our podcast team suggested that perhaps this episode we should capitalize on some of Brian's insights. So, Brian, welcome. Hey, thank you, Brett. It's good to be here with you. It's awesome to have you, Mm. and it's nice to have a little bit more of an intimate conversation with you because I feel like we touch on a lot of subjects. Uh, over the course of our last podcast, mm-hmm. and we, I always want to dive a little bit deeper with you, mm-hmm. but I always want to pay attention to the other guests that we have. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. and we have some great guests that have yeah, really we, given us some strong topics, so it's, it's just nice to be able to have this conversation yeah, with you. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've marveled and also joked at uh, your recent achievement of achieving your PhD, mm-hmm. uh, but truly... The subject today is really squarely in your wheelhouse, both academically and experientially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the subject that we're discussing today is essentially board member development. But even specifically, hopefully by the end of this episode, we can mine down into how to equip board members both inside and outside of the boardroom. Mm-hmm. But for those of us who maybe aren't as familiar with the idea of board member development, what does that even mean? What are we talking about when we're talking about board member development? Yeah, you know, um, I've said this quote before, and it's not meant to be a a negative slight on board members because you and I both serve on church boards and and ministries. And so this is not a negative thing, Brett, but I've heard this said before that the church board member is the least trained volunteer in a church. And and that's kind. That was kind of said tongue in cheek or jokingly one time. Um, but it, there's more truth to that than uh, fiction. And this idea of um, having a volunteer in a in a position in a church that is not only meant to be uh, appointed, maybe to be um, called to be. Let's even call that the spiritual leader in the church or part of the spiritual leadership team that's guiding and directing the decisions of the church, coming alongside the pastor and helping them in their ministry and co-shepherding the the congregation. We're talking a really essential role, and over and over again, that board member is untrained, unequipped maybe at the church board ministry level, and they know it. They know it, and so you know, there are, I think we joked about this in one of our prior podcasts, you know, the, the, the nursery worker, the youth leader, the musician has more specific training and equipping in their role than often a board member or even maybe an elder or a chair of the board might have. And, um, and so it's this process of, okay, then what, what do we do with that? Mm -hmm. And interestingly, when I've traveled around the country and met with boards all around the country, board members, I say that once in a while, that joke that, hey, you're the least trained 
person in this ministry. And they look at me and they're like, you're right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're aware of their need to grow. And that's what development is, that going from point A to point B with some specific intention. Interesting. So you've shared with me, uh, not out of pride, but just actually in awe, mm-hmm. that I think 34 boards have invited you into their space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just been over the course of the last year. Mm-hmm. True? Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So you're familiar with the boardroom space. Some For some reason, and maybe we can unpack that, you've been invited mm. to be part of that space, which, by the way, as a board member, uh, and having been board a board member in several capacities, that is quite the privilege. Mm-hmm. It is. People have a limited time, and the last thing I like to see on the agenda is someone else's face inserted, like, mm-hmm. do we really need to have this conversation because we yeah. got decisions to make mm-hmm. and I don't want to have another three or four hour board meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. So what a privilege that is. It is. It is. It's a special privilege, but you're not just familiar with the church space. Any, any venturing mm. guessing on how many boards you've served alongside mm. over the course of the years? Ministries. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I've, I've served on um, maybe four or five different nonprofit boards, six maybe nonprofit boards. Um, and in addition to at the, at the, you know, simultaneously serving on a church board for probably 20 years of my life. So, which is often the case with us church board members, we, we do more things than just one ministry leadership role. And so I find that even as I'm around the country that the board members I speak with, often serve on other nonprofits or maybe in a school system or maybe in their in their county or city government or um they're they are serving in other roles which um is is not only speaks to their commitment to their call to leadership on the positive side but the negative side is often we and I'm guilty of this bring that boardroom experience into the church boardroom and and that's that's um creates muscle memory that is not necessarily helpful in that role. Hmm. Okay. So let's quickly hone in on church boardrooms and board members in churches of the boards that you've had the privilege of being in front of walking alongside this year, for example, can you give me a bit of a psychographic profile of the board members as they understand their role in leadership at churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think um, the, the board members that I have the privilege of serving and meeting with across the country, um, they have a relatively good understanding. I think, you know, again, this is a generalization, but a relatively good understanding of the role of a church board member. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's because there's you know, they know they're not on the music team. You know, it's it's it, it's an inductive kind of a reasoning. Well, I'm not on the music team. I'm not in the nursery. It's leadership, um, and and so there's sometimes this, it might feel like the nursery. Yeah, yeah, it might, it might in yeah, fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll be careful with that. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, you know, so there's this there's this gray space of leadership that that people are like, well, all the other elements of the ministry are being taken care of, except for the leadership conversation. So that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna sit. That's where my gift is. I'm going to go in and I'm going to serve in that gap. Um, and, and, and it's this gray area. It's a, it's a, it's a unknown. So, um, so it's, it's generally speaking, the board members understand that it's a leadership role. 
Um, they understand the need to be able to keep the church in some kind of a strength position. Um, primarily when I say that, I mean like um, financially strong or um, or healthy. They, they see some of these things. And, and, and because every church is so different, even in like the same community, the churches have different issues. You know, some churches have mortgages and some churches own their properties outright. And, and so even at that small issue of finances, it's different. So there's, there's qualifying differences across every church. Um, but these, these men come into these roles with a, with an understanding, often they're invited into the role. Um, and you know, Hey, you, you are a, a leader outside of this boardroom. So would you come and lead inside this boardroom? That's very common. Um, you know, um, the idea of also bringing in um, men who have done it before. So in most churches that are small, like our churches are, you recycle the same leader. And so they, they know what it is. So they know that they're three years away from being invited in again. And in our, in our really small churches, we have, they just, they just serve all the time. They're, they're never off the board. Um, you know, I, we have many churches that we have board members who have just graciously and faithfully served for 25 years, never off that board. Um, and I've, I heard one guy laugh about, it. he said, it's a, it's a life sentence. Um, you know, once you're in, you're, you're stuck. Um, no good deed goes unpunished. That's exactly right. So that we have these guys who are just gracious and grateful for the work they, they do. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's what I walk into. Um, there is some basic stereotypical board member across the country. Would part of that stereotype, well, let me start again. Those that are asked to serve in leadership of churches, are they leaders or do they see themselves as leaders in other realms of life mm. for the most part? What percentage would yeah, that's, qualify? I, you know, I would, while I haven't really done that, that research, when I sit around the boardrooms and, and meet with these men across the country, I, I, I get the sense that they see themselves as a leader, and they're not wrong. I, it has not been many times where I've sat in a room with our boards across the country where I've wondered why they were in that room. Um, even if they're a young leader, you can see that they've got leadership gifts. Um, and um, the, the problem is, though, Brett, I would I would maybe propose that there are people in churches that aren't good leaders that should be on that board, and so we have a a tendency to say, "Hey, only leaders should serve on a board," and um, and I I can just tell you that there are people who just don't have that gift of leadership, but boy, they've got the gift of of discernment, or they've got the gift of of wisdom to be able to speak into issues. So there's this idea of, hey, not everybody who's a leader should be sitting on a board, and not every leader should be sitting on a board. So here was my challenge, both when I served as a board member and when I tried to coach board members along uh, as a maybe an executive staff person of a church. And that challenge is educating, learning, growing board members in their leadership capacity as a church board member and just the brass tacks of mm -hmm. making decisions and getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. So maybe my question for you is this. First of all, what percentage, what percentage of board members walk into the church leadership space and say, I'm here to learn 
versus I'm here to lead and make decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, um, we, we were talking and, and, and this idea of not of knowing you're not well equipped, um, is, is, is something that I find very, very frequently with these board members. They, they walk into the boardroom, the church boardroom, and humbly they often acknowledge, I am not equipped for this role. So there is an implicit there that I need to learn. And so they're very open to learning. The problem with this, with church board work, just like any ministry, is there's so much to do that the margin to learn ends up being so small. And, and that developmental mindset ends up being, let's say, um, for lack of a number, fifth on the list of priorities, and they never get past priority number four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Just when a church board gets to the spot where they might think of development, their church, their pastor retires. And now they've got to reload everything and go into a pastoral search committee or a crisis happens or it just seems like churches across our country really, the boards really struggle with this idea of let's do development. Let's, let's learn. They, I find they want to, I don't find that they do. And, and there's books, great books that have been written about board work, but even that requires margin, and, and a lot of these men don't. And, and, and so there is this interest to learn, I find. Um, learn what? What, what, is, what are they thinking they need to learn? Yeah, you know, I've used this analogy before when I speak with church boards, um, and it's, it, the, the analogy breaks down, but it's, it's kind of like when we are sick individually, healthy, uh, and, and, and we feel like there's something going on. We, we, it feels like maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I just don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know. I, I have, I can't walk up the stairs be, without, you know, without stopping midway. I don't know what's going on. It feels rep- respiratory or it feels muscular, it feels skeletal, whatever it might be. I think I know, but I don't know. So often, and, and here's where the analogy probably breaks down a bit. Often we just kind of say, I'll just have to grin and bear it. Um, you know, and, and for those that have margin, they're like, I need to get to the doctor. Um, and maybe post-COVID, we're a little bit more in tune to getting to the doctor. But um, but I think the idea of a board member walking into a boardroom saying, I know I'm not right. I know I know what I know is not complete in the ministry that I'm in. Um, I but I don't have I don't know what it is. I don't you know. And maybe maybe no one does. It could be a spiritual issue that they're dealing with that maybe they shouldn't be on that board. Um, and, and so maybe that's what it is. They're, they're, they're not spiritually equipped to be in that church spiritual leadership role. And they don't know why they never really, their gear and their clutch never work together. You know, they, they, they get done and, and, and they've just served for a year and they feel like they've not been productive or effective and, or it might be some task, um, you know, and, and so, and so then what happens often is the group, is in the same position, and, and they don't often talk about. Hey, I you don't know what I'm you're doing. I didn't know what I'm doing. Um, and I I remember this one to that point. I was talking with a particular board chair at a board meeting and um a, a retreat, and we had a chance to talk privately. And and we were talking. He's just a gracious guy, and he said, Brian, I just want you to know, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing in this role. Um, and I said, you you seem to. Um, and he said, Yeah, I'm the church board chair, and I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and now who can he tell that to? Um, you know, 
No one else wants to serve on the church board chair role um, in that, you know, in most church church boards. Um, and so here he is, this this crazy little secret he has is he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> um, and and that's that doesn't mean he's ineffective. And, in, you know, he's when I was with that church, I, I knew I could tell, you know, you, you can tell that there's some dis- dysfunction. But functionally, the board was operating. It just it was like a V eight engine, and it was operating on on three cylinders, you know. Um, and everyone's like, "Boy, this 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 V eight engine sure is weak." Um, and and it's because the church wasn't the board wasn't able to really function at its best because its leader wasn't functioning at his best in his role. I'm guessing that board chair is not alone. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In that feeling, yeah. He's 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 he was able to articulate what I think a lot of board members say internally or wish they could wish they could yeah yeah yes exactly Uh so the one issue is what what do board members want to learn or think they need to learn and i think i'm hearing you say in in large part they're not necessarily sure Mm -hmm. what that is Mm -hmm. but you've been in a few boardrooms not to make you the omniscient Mm -hmm. brian walker but you do have (laughs) some notion of maybe a short list of things that really should be tackled in terms of learning, growing development in mm-hmm. terms of board members. Mm-hmm. What might that be? You know, um, that, that's, that's a good question because it, it's, it's a, it's a good summary question that I often will start my board retreats with. Um, and, and once we get some base ground working with our retreats and, and this is what we do around the country, um, we start with a few premises. Some, some. Hey, let's let's start here. This this let's let's. Can we agree to this one particular point? One point is that what our board members do outside the boardroom ha- might have absolutely nothing to do with what they do inside the church boardroom. I, I say that a church board member's ministry is like nothing else they've ever done. And unless they've maybe been a pastor, because it's very pastoral. I'm talking particularly elder boards, but um, but we start there because that's really the base of ministry in the in the church leadership um, equation. And and so we start at this one point that says you might be a great finance person outside the walls of this of this boardroom, but when you come in, God might not have you doing anything with finances. Um, and if you bring that paradigm in and you say, hey, I'm good out there doing this, so I'm good in here doing this. It could be a strong leader voice, could be a really strategic thinker. Um, a, what happens is all these different board members bring in their gifts. If they're not, if they're not realizing that that gift might not be the thing that the church needs, um, what they, what, what maybe why God has them in that role is because they need somebody who can just pray with the pastor and think, think about ministry. And so there's, I think what happens is a lot of church board members don't approach their role with open hands. Mm. And it's not out of arrogance or pride. It's out of ignorance maybe is, well, I'm, I've done it. And, and the other side of that is church, church wisdom. If there's some church board wisdom, church board orientation and education for new board members is being done by board members who think the same thing. And so it's perpetual. So I have a board member, just for example, who is tapped me on the shoulder to serve on the board. And he, teaches me and guides me and mentors me in the way that he thinks and he thinks wrong or maybe incompletely. And so I'm being trained to think incompletely. Um, and so I'm not approaching as a new board member, 
with open hands, Lord, what am I doing in this role? What do you have me doing? What's my role biblically? What am I supposed to, am I qualified to even serve in this role, Lord? Um, and so there, I think there's one, that's one primary, very, very essential premise when we do church board retreats is don't use your current experience as a church board member, we'd call that a paradigm, to guide you to what God might actually be having you do on this board. Um, and, uh, and otherwise what we have is a very professional board. We have what you'd maybe call a corporate board or a nonprofit board. Um, you know, faith-based nonprofits need finance folks. And, and so faith-based nonprofits, we might serve on camps or we might serve at food kitchens or other ministries that we have affiliation with, um, internationally or nationally. And, and those boards do seek you out for your professional competencies. You might be a really strategic thinker and he or she might be pulled into that nonprofit ministry board for that strategic thought. Well, as a, as a, as a elder on a board, men need to be thinking, um, you know, while I might be really talented in that area outside, that might have nothing to do with what I'm doing in this church boardroom. So it is a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. and not to make it sound too harsh, but when you walk into a church boardroom and you're thinking, how has God gifted me, and how can I impart that giftedness on the church? I think what you're saying is, know your first job is to determine what the needs of the church are, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then ask how you can come alongside that need, which may or may not include your giftedness. Yes, yeah. Right, yeah. it's a center of gravity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what's propelling your, right. Right. your actions? And I, you know, I think there's a, a, a misunderstanding or incomplete understanding of like the biblical role of an elder. Um, and, and, and so often what happens, and it's just the nature of a small church, and this is, this is where my heart is. I'm deeply, deeply passionate about small church leadership and governance. Um, what we have in our small churches is boards, and they call them deacon elder boards. And so the deacon and elder serve together. And, and you've called it, you've said this many times, it's called the tyranny of the urgent. And, and the, anyone who follows what that thought means is uh, uh, you, you only handle the things often that are the most impressing on your, on your, on your, on your schedule. And you never get to the things that might be more strategic or more, it might be more intentional or missional. And so the other premise we deal with is um, we look at the board's meeting agenda, their board meeting agenda. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a financial axiom that we all have heard probably somewhere um, in, in, in when we listen to stewardship ministry or stewardship sermons is you know it, to learn what someone's passionate about, take a look at their checkbook because you can see their passion. They, they fund their passion. And um, and the very same thing goes, I, I would contend, I don't have that same kind of confidence in that statement, but I would contend that a, you can tell what a church board is passionate about by looking at their board agenda. And, and in particular, if they recorded what their board what meeting was, what they spend the most time analyzing or working through or, or working on. And it may not even be a passion. It's just this is what's consuming yes. their thoughts. Yeah, yeah that tyranny the of the urgent. Right. Yeah, there's... And so we look at that's one of the other premises we work off of is um, is I, I I encourage boards to consider inverting the way they spend their time, um, you know, rather than having a, a prayer and a, and a Bible study at the very beginning of the church of of the board meeting and and often when I say this, board members just laugh about it because they know it's true and I know it's true about my own ministry. Um, 
you know, if you are assigned to do a board meeting devotional, it, it's often you haven't done the right work to be putting into it. So, off, you, you know, that morning you remembered you do that devotional. So you go into our daily bread or some other, you know, easy clip um, devotional and you just bring that to that night. Um, <laughs> that, that hasn't happened. I mean, not since last time it happened. Yeah, yeah. So. For our audiences, we're talking. Brett and I are both sitting here <laughs> smiling because we both do that. Um, and so, and so, and then we spend a little bit of time in prayer. And um, and I don't, I don't minimize that, but I, I think boards minimize that. Um, and and so, I've around the country looked at board meeting agendas, um, board meeting work that they get done, and um, and so there is a. a, a an inclination to put in front of us as board members the things that are tyrannically urgent in our mind. You know, the color of the um, shingles on the on the pole barn that we need to decide on. All these things that are not unimportant. They're stewardship. Yeah, yeah. Just you know. <laughs> FYI, mm-hmm. in Michigan, they're they're brown. Yeah. Um, the uh, and they're not unimportant. They're stewardship conversations that we need to be having um, as church leadership. But but it becomes something that we put in a, in a, I think maybe in an improper priority. And, um, so yeah, that two, two premises there. All right. I want to get to some practical tools, but I want to, I want to hone in on what are some of the barriers. Let's, let's just sort of name, call out the barriers to learning from a board perspective. You know, um, I, I, I feel like it's probably what I would say is institutional memory. Um, we, a barrier to to growth and development is that we don't need it. We, you know, we're fine. That and it's not said that way, but it's 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 worked that way. Um, we don't need to grow because we're fine because we've done it this way for twenty five, thirty five, fifty five years. And um, and look at us, we're fine. Um, and, and as a board member, let's talk about the board mm-hmm. member. So, mm-hmm. the board member growing in their leadership capacity in a church. Mm-hmm. We've also talked about limited time. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is definitely one of those things where it's like within the boardroom, you only got so much time to accomplish stuff. Mm-hmm. It's number five. You never get past four on the list, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, maybe past experience in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'll talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, th- I think the reality is if my time has not been used in a respectful way as a board member, I'm probably not going to be super excited about inserting a a little piece on learning how to be a better board member, learning how to be a better leader. Do you you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's an insignificant barrier. Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like one of the reasons board members who might know they need to learn something might still be reticent to learn Mm is that we've set some precedent that mm. we're not super respectful of their time. Maybe because the board agenda mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. isn't inverted mm-hmm. and and we're spending way too much time talking about things that should have been truncated to, mm-hmm. to put in their proper place. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think leaders are doers, which I, I, I don't think that's a John Maxwell quote, but leaders are, are doers. We, we like to do things. Leaders like to do things. Men and women like to get things done. Um, in the boardroom, the elders, the, the men who serve in that key leadership ministry are, are, are often high capacity doers. And, and, and so it, it, it 
binds us up to say, hey, we're not going to do anything today. We're going to just invest in ourselves. We're going to grow. Um, or we're not going to do it. We're just going to pray for our congregation today. That when you know you've got a list of 17 things that have to get done and there's new business that needs to be around the corner and plus we're doing a we're hosting a missions conference in one month and we got to get all these things there there is that and um and especially in our smaller churches there's there is the burden of that that's if that doesn't get done there is no missions conference in that example and so we do we do and and um it's it's not you know, there's, it's not an uncommon process to just be fine doing poorly. I've played golf for a long time in my life. And I, I, along with most people I know, play golf poorly. It's just a matter of if we could take lessons, if we could invest in lessons on the golf course, we could probably be a better golfer. I think that's generally the process how, how it works. Um, but, um, you know, but we don't. And we get out there and we, we hack it around and we, we blame it on the clubs and we buy a new putter. Um, and that's, that's what we do. And that's, that's the unfortunate part of, of just not having time to invest into it. It's not that guys don't know or people don't know that they can, they can invest into their growth. It's their inability to make that time to, to, to invest in, in that. And, okay. and, and I also think that we, and I, I speak for myself, don't really know how great a board could function of a church if we did it right. So it's almost an unawareness yes, yeah. of what could be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fine. And and what I try to work with our board members across the country is, you know, um, is it fine? Are you prepared to respond to an opportunity or, or a crisis? Is it fine because things are fine? You know, or is it fine because um, you're being intentional about it, being just fine? Very few board members say we are operating at a, at a at a really proper space. Um, and uh, it's interesting. One of the surveys I do when I walk into a board, I do this blind survey where board members can go online and before I meet with them, they give an online anonymous 20-question feedback on a, on a survey that I get. So every time I go into a boardroom to do a retreat, I have already gotten anonymous feedback from our board members about that particular board composition. And um, and it's interesting. It asks questions that give me an, an understanding of what their each individual board member thinks about that board. And, and so I see what they're saying individually. When I walk in, there is this presence of, hey, we're fine. But when I look at their data, they send me maybe the week prior to two weeks prior. I realize that even they privately don't think they're fine. You know, there's one question on that survey that says, I feel like I'm using my time valuably based on what God's designed me to do. It sounds a little bit like that. Overwhelmingly, that question privately, anonymously comes back to me, false. Um, but if you got in that room with the men and you asked that question, do you think you're using, you're, you're being, I doubt if they would raise their hand false on that. And mm-hmm. you might have to put your hand head down like an old, you know, sure. camp campfire, um, salvation all message, closed. Yeah, all eyes closed. But you know that there is that tendency and I, I can relate to that. I would have probably done the same thing. Um, I do, you know, I, I tend to say, you know, I, we're fine. Um, and I'm not trying to be a martyr in that. I just internally, I, th- I know something's not right, but externally I might say it's fine. So, Practically speaking, is that diagnostic tool that you speak of, is that available? Yeah, you know, it is. It's an online survey that has been created 
and it's a um, it's been put together in a way that allows us to do a board survey. I give it to all the church boards that I work with, but I, absolutely, I'd give it to a, a church board president or pastor. the The problem is, and I and I I say this with a smile on my face. Um, us knowing something is different than us doing something. Mm. And my heart, I have a, I have a, such a deep heart for our church boards around the country. My heart is to not put a board in a position of knowing and not doing. Um, I, I want to come alongside them. And so we do this and then we talk about, okay, what did we learn from this one particular, um, this one particular survey result? And, and so we kind of burrow down and, and, and into the results. But yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a survey that, I think is is helpful, um, and I can I can capture data for pastors easily for them. Good. On the heels of this episode, we'll make that available. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a that's a sharp. It's a very sharp instrument. Yeah. It's well done. So I'm hearing honest assessment tools and mechanisms would be sort of a very pragmatic, good starting point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What else? What other tools can we give board members? So. Um, there, there are some really good books out there, and um, and there are I, I can suggest some books based on the church board composition. If it's a um, if it's a progressively like a, a fast moving board, or if it's a more of a slow moving board, there there are different books out there. T.J. Addington and um, Aubrey Moffers. Um, there's a um, solid book out there called Lead that that I'm reading with another couple pastors, um, and that's by. Um, Boy, another author I can't think of right now, um, and um, and so there's there's some good book resources out there, um, but I think one of the resources I like to be able to provide to our church boards around the country is is my services. Um, let me come alongside you. Let me come alongside and and let's do an evaluation. Let's let's do a deep dive into your church board, and um, and and I can come alongside. I think the problem with a consultant, if we kind of talk about that at the high level. Is often what a consultant might do is come in and and charge a lot and then provide some ideas and provide a good assessment and then often leave you with the results. You have to here's what you can do to to, to improve the the ministry that I provide and that we provide to our churches is let's work on this. Let's understand the the, the opportunities for growth and development and I can come alongside you and help you. And then I have a group of of leaders around the country who can come along underneath that and. and and provide that support follow through. Um, and so in a lot of the churches around the country that I've served already, I've had the ability to work on several different meetings with them. So we'll come in, we might do, I might do a, an initial workshop and then I'll come and do another workshop with them to follow up on that workshop. Um, and there's another instrument too. There's a great instrument that we developed together. It's, it's ours. It's the GGF's instrument. And it's a, it's a, what I call a rubric, it's a board assessment rubric, and it's about 50 different points of evaluation for a board to say, how are we doing? How, how is, and where do we want to go? You know, it asks questions like um, to, our, to each individual board member, how often are you praying with your pastor? And is it intentional? Is it, is it accountable? Are you being accountable to the other board members that you are praying? Um, and you know how often are we coming alongside our pastor to provide them emotional care? Um, you know because that's those are easy overlooks, um, and so it's it's the ability to take an evaluative look and have some kind of ability to say I'm here as a board or a board member, and I want to go there, and then I can help them work through that path of how to be better. So in some ways, what you're saying is those tools 
need to be customized yeah, to yeah. the particular board and or board member yes, yeah. that's seeking to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So not discounting the fact that you are not only willing to help, you've been helping mm-hmm. around the country in, in boardrooms. But I think one of the elephants in the room is whose responsibility mm-hmm. is it to grow board members? Mm-hmm. Like in a church, absent Brian Walker's input or other board consultants, and there are, there are many out there, yeah, good ones. right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about whose responsibility. And the conundrum that I'll just paint the picture for you is this. Pastors serve at the pleasure of the board. Board members oversee pastors. Mm-hmm. Yet experientially, board members are waiting for pastors to take the lead. Yeah. Is that your experience? Yeah, you know, that's that's um that's a that's a tension that really exists in in almost every organization. Um, you know, how how does somebody who I report to, how do I help them realize number one they're they're not overly effective in their role or I can help them grow. You know, there's always been that adage for leaders, you want to, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You want to hire people around you who are smarter than you. Well, there with that, there's an, an implicit that says, well, then I better be able to learn from them. Um, and, and that's really hard. It's hard for supervisors to do that to managers or people to do that to the owners of the organization. It's hard for an executive director in a, in a ministry to tell their board Hey, this is something, and it's really hard for a pastor to do that with their own ministry board or their elder board because of that leadership tension, that submission tension that we carry. Um, take that and also realize that for many, many boards, they're not elder boards. They're not co-shepherds. Most boards that would call themselves elder deacon boards um, are deacons in their very purest sense. They think about stewardship and all the things that go into that. They're functioning. They're functioning. And so the worlds that our pastors' boards live in is not their world. Mm. So a board, if you can just imagine this this situation, this is just hypothetical, but it's not uncommon. You walk into a boardroom, and there's, let's just say, six men in that room and a pastor. There is no elder in that room. They're all They all serve as deacons, although... One might say, well, I'm, I'm part of the elder board. They, they're serving practically as a deacon. And so what's a pastor going to do to that group? They're, mm. Be a better deacon? Well, they're sure. outstanding deacons. There's no one in that room that carries the elder role um, with that, that co-shepherd role. And so a board, a pastor in that application has got to go into that boardroom and say, okay, guys, you're doing a good job, but those of you who are elders – aren't doing the work. And so let me tell you how to do your work. That's a, that's, that's a lot for a pastor, not only just structurally to be able to say, I want you to know you, you, you need to be better. It's a lot for a pastor to do just practically. It's easier for a pastor to end that board meeting and say, okay, well, here it goes. I'm the only elder in the church now. And just to do it because they're so busy, this, especially in a small church, that sure. pastor is doing so much they work. They their sermon yeah. and they got to attend to the sick. Yeah. So then what we find, and this happens over and over again, is that pastor is the only spiritual leader in the church. Mm. They're the only shepherd in that church. Now there might be a visitation committee that goes into the shut-ins and does that. And that's, that's, that may be congregational care. That's not, not shepherding, but that's more caring compared to that spiritual oversight to the church. And so what happens and, and, and with that scenario is it's just it's just a it's a 
an equation for pastoral burnout because that pastor is the only person maybe really truly thinking spiritually about everybody in that congregation, whether it's 20 in that congregation or 200, they're thinking spiritually, what a, what's my responsibility here? Um, and and that just isn't sustainable. That That's why, you know, if we if we look at the book of Acts and, and um, the, the, the d- disciples ask this question, why are we waiting tables? We have a lot of work to do here. That that shows. I mean, it's just it's just a lot of work to be that spiritual shepherd, um, and so there is that idea of um, who who's gonna re, who's gonna who as a pastor who am I to tell that guy to to, mm. to grow? Um, and what you've done kind of come full circle and kind of made the argument for the very need for board development, yeah. right? Like, yeah. don't know how to get there. There's not a clean, easy path, not formulaic necessarily. But, yeah, but uh, we need to continue down that path though we solved almost all the problems every one of them i think one maybe left. we might want to maybe just pause mm-hmm. and we'll resume our conversation here is there any last um thought you would give pastors who are leading with their boards mm-hmm. in terms of how to get learning and education and equipping in the conversation you know um our our, our pastors are um are working really hard. And to that earlier example of five priorities and the fifth one is development, um, my my suggestion is when I meet with our pastors and continues to be, um, don't dismiss that fifth priority, but they don't have to do it themselves. They, they could appoint a person on their board to say, would you help us develop? Um, would you... I'm gonna I'm gonna relieve you of all the other things you do. I want you to think about how we can develop and and let's first look at what it means to be an elder. What is there a person on this board serving as an elder? What would it look like? We as a as a ministry, the GGF can give them what I would call role descriptions. Um, and so if if a if a board member wanted to do that and say I'll, I'll accept that task, I can work alongside them, give them some ideas of what it looks like to be an elder. We can we can do that. And, and support that process. That that board member would not have to do that on their own. You know, my my I, I feel like what, when I walk into a church that is not thinking about board development and I see that the board is not functioning biblically, maybe really efficiently corporately, but not efficiently biblically, I, I look at their pastor and I can see a, a, a tiredness um uh, Eugene Peterson calls a weariness of soul. I can see that, and and it's not that I have the special gift of of seeing. It's I'm coming in from the outside, looking, and I'm seeing a church board that's really efficient corporately, and the pastor who's really exhausted spiritually. Um, and it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't pastors. It doesn't need to be that way. Let's work together and get your board to a place of coming alongside you as a co shepherd and being part of that spiritual leadership ministry together. That's awesome. That's a great way to punctuate this episode. Mm. Appreciate your insights, Brian. And uh, this won't be the last time, I'm sure. Mm. Excited about some of the episodes we have coming up, though. And we'll look forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, good. All right. All right, pastors, be well. I look forward to meeting with you.